this is Rob Coburn, and we are excited that you're joining with us today. If you're a part of the Summit Dover family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at the Summit Dover on all social media outlets and on our website, thesummitdover.com. We can get you plugged into our app or our YouTube channel, as well as giving options and opportunities to connect with the Summit Dover family all around the world. I hope this word today encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. I was praying last night about today, and I was on the phone with a pastor friend of mine, and all we felt was that he was going to speak this morning. I don't know. I'll just sit down. He's giving you a word, but I do believe that there's something that I think that we need to grasp as we're in the battle of this age. We had our Seeky First Conference. I've heard many, I've gotten many texts from pastors. I had a lunch with many pastors this week and just how it changed their lives and changed their culture and different things. And God is on the move, amen. The verse that we picked was Matthew 6, 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And so you have to go back into the beginning of the chapter to actually read what all that means, but it doesn't say seek righteousness first. It doesn't say seek wealth first. It doesn't say increase your faith first. It doesn't say um, be more devoted first. It says seek ye first the kingdom. Now the interesting thing about that word is it's actually a, a descriptive word about a place. A kingdom is a place. It's a territory. It's a physical thing. but it's also something that we can point to and receive from. And if we're supposed to seek the kingdom, then we actually have to step into the king's dominion. That's what kingdom is. It's the king's dominion, the king's domain, the place where only the king has right to speak unless he gives the right to someone else. In this hour, I believe that there are many voices. I believe there's many good voices. But there are many voices. And my concern in this day is this, that the many voices would distract us from the one voice and the dominion that that voice carries because it comes from the king. I think that we have some people that are so addicted to telling us what the future is going to be that that we miss what the present is. I feel that there are people that want to tell us how good the past was but miss the present voice of the Lord. And so I wanted to bring a few points forward this morning about the king. Now, I don't believe that we understand as Americans what a king really is. Maybe Netflix has given you a definition. Maybe in school, the encyclopedia or Google has given you a definition of what a king is, but we've never really lived under a rulership in America. 
Because a king isn't a president, he's not elected. If you're here from England, it's the king is not a prime minister, he's not appointed by the ruling party. A king is not a dictator who takes his power with violence. A king is not a democracy where everybody gets a vote. A king displays the essence of his authority in his rulership of the realm in which he presides. You see, I think that as we get closer to the marriage, our words will become more distinct because they're going to be kingly words. They're going to be kingdom definitions. But seek ye first the king's dominion. We were talking or we were singing in the song this morning about like all we want to do is worship. I give you all my worship. Is that really true? I'm not against what we sang and I believe it honors the Lord but to worship means to ascribe worth to something. So when you say I give you all my worship it means that there's nothing else that is taking worth from you. I was standing right over here convicted that I was even singing those words because there are things in my life, I don't know about you, that I apply worth to that aren't worthy of my worth. And as we come into this hour where things are going to get tighter, we know that. Things are going to get more difficult. But in the pressing and the crushing and the, the things that are happening in the war that's going on, I believe if we don't understand kingly authority, we will miss what he wants to say. So what is this? This is, yes, I love the definition that this is the constitution. It's the constitution for our life, but there's this thing that I think that we can miss sometimes, and that is that we can read this Bible, we can read this scripture, the word of God, as a Pentecostal. We can read the word of God as a Baptist. We can read the word of God as any other denomination or belief system and you can believe it's true but there's one thing that we miss when we read it as those things. When you went to seminary and they taught you how to interpret it, I bet they didn't tell you that this really isn't the doctrine of those denominations. This is a story true every word of it is true even in some seminaries they'll tell you that parts of it were just stories that's a lie from the pit of hell this is all true but it's actually a story about a king and his kingdom and if we step out of reading it from that perspective we will actually read the scripture from our own history What were you taught to believe that that verse meant? So I want to challenge you this morning with some things about kings that 
should lay to you very plainly that when you open the scripture, it's about a king and his kingdom and his authority, all of it. Whether you see the king in the story or you don't, you see his character. And you can find him on every single page. But I want to caution you, if you read this from the bent, I, I remember sitting in a class one time and, and the professor said, if you read the scriptures, if I hand you a Bible, the same Bible, and, I, and, and each one of you came from a different background, some of you didn't have parents, then you're gonna read this from an orphan perspective. If I, if I give this to somebody who grew up with every wealthy thing you could think of, you'll read it from that perspective. And I remember it changed my life because I was reading it from the way that I was taught. And I began to start to examine scripture not just out of what I was taught, but what the Holy Spirit was saying. But I still didn't have the picture of the kingdom. And I'm not sure that many do in this hour. So I'm gonna give you three points and I wanna share a story with you this morning. A king is the essential and singular component of his kingdom. You say, what does that mean? Those were some. I don't know how to say it any better. I've tried over and over. That's the best I could get. But this is what I believe it says. That the king embodies the essence of his kingdom. So when you step into a kingdom, as Pastor Penn said, you walk from one kingdom, you come into the kingdom of light, and things are different in that kingdom, it's because of the essence of the ruler of that territory. Here's another thing about a king. What the king says is the law. His word is the government. It's not a suggestion. It doesn't go to another house of commons to be figured out. It's law. What he says is law. That's it. And it works every time. It works every time. If you put the laws into practice. Number two. A king is the ultimate and only source of authority in his kingdom. A king is the ultimate and only source of authority in his kingdom. He doesn't ask for an opinion. He doesn't question what he says. He is the authority in his kingdom. Now, if you take a king out of his kingdom and put him in another kingdom, he's under the rulership of the other kingdom. And his kingly authority is gone because he's not representing, he's not in the kingdom that he represents. Can I ask a question? Why do we bring the king of glory into realms
that frustrate that. We're ambassadors. We bring the king into realms that are not of him. And we carry his authority because everywhere our feet go, he goes. And it's his place. His word is the law. Not question, well, maybe questioned by some, but they don't live that long. But his will is carried through his word into every place of his rulership. What he wants is what he gets. Number three, the sovereignty of a king is inherent in his royal authority. Where he yields authority, you know there's no one else stepping in there. Now I want to ask this question. Do the people in his kingdom give him authority? No. Kings are born into authority. You get that? They're not elected. They're they're born into it. Earthly kings are born into authority. The people do not give the king his authority. Now, that's hard to grasp, and I'm, I'm going to hang out here for a minute because it's very hard to grasp because we in America give people authority. Now, what they do with it is another question, but we, in the way that our government is set up, we give them authority to rule and to create rules. Could it be that sometimes we bring the kingdom into that level of thinking? In other words, elevating our own life, our own wisdom, our own knowledge above the knowledge of the king. A sovereign king will do what he pleases whenever he pleases. Another thing to grasp is that he doesn't have to be accountable to anybody. You say, Pastor Rob, why in the world are you saying this? Because it goes against our, the way we've all been taught. We've all been trained to think that we have a vote. You don't. You don't pick what church you go to. He takes the solitary, places them in the family. And I won't go through all the scripture. We had a great time down in growth track. If you want to go hear all that, you can hear all that. But he takes the solitary and puts them in a family. I think, I think that what we're going to be faced with, and I'm trying to give you some context for what's about to happen in the church. What we're going to be faced with is this question of whether we really understand that he's a king. Now, there's many stories in scripture. I mean, I've got many, many pages of notes. I don't know. I'm just going to pick one this morning that I believe resonates with what was said this morning. 
Would you turn to Nehemiah 1? There's a process that Nehemiah goes through in the scripture. You probably all know the stories in the 52 days and all the stuff, and and I'm not gonna get into all that. I really just wanna talk about the placement of a king. I'll say it again. You don't have a vote. So Nehemiah in the story, as it starts out, he's a cupbearer to the king and he's got a burden on his heart for his people. And he's in a place of influence. You don't get to be in that place without having some influence, but he is just considering what is really happening to his homeland. I'm just going to start reading in verse 1. I won't read all the chapters, but it's amazing. Let's go to verse 3. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. So Nehemiah is hearing the story from those who were there. He hears the story of what has happened to the city. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, I pray, listen to his prayer. I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. Please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night, For the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel which we have sinned against you, both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you, and have not kept your commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Listen to this in verse 8. Remember. He's talking to the Lord. Remember, I pray, the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out to the farthest part of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. There's this interesting thing that happens to Nehemiah. He's doing the work. But there's this internal compassion that takes a priority over what he's doing for the king. There's this internal struggle that he has for people. 
We talked a couple weeks ago about the proximity and how many people you need to have and hopefully that was some practical evidence of how you can change seasons. The needed thing for Nehemiah, if you look at the natural, was to just be under the king and do what the king says. The earthly king. But this compassion filled him for his people. And it led him down a journey that I want to walk us down, but give you some quick insight into where he was in that moment. You see, I hear a lot of people that want to go out and start amazing things and do all kinds of cool things, and I'm not against all of it. But Nehemiah was successful not because of his position, but because of his compassion. Many people start things because of positions, because of of those things, but lack compassion. So this compassion, he, he goes before the Lord and he says, listen, you promised that if we don't obey, you'll scatter us all out there. But if we do obey and we repent for not obeying, then you're gonna bring us all back together and you're gonna give us the place that you've chosen as a dwelling place. I'm gonna continue on in the prayer. Verse 10, now these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name. And let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. So in his understanding of what was happening to the people that he loved, he began to go where first? To his closet. That's where he went. Do you have compassion for a people? Do you have compassion for a people? Because if we don't have compassion for a people, what can we stand on? Nehemiah didn't even get an audience with the king until he was filled with compassion. You can read that in the next chapter. He walks before the king and the king says, why are you so down-faced this morning? I believe there's a coming hour in in the church where people are not gonna be happy to just be the church. But the Lord is gonna implant inside of people's hearts a compassion for a people. We can see it throughout history. God implants something you can't get rid of. This is my own take on it, but I think if Nehemiah wouldn't have had the audience with the king, he probably would have been consumed with this compassion and he wouldn't have, he would have, as Pastor Sean said in one of the services, I'm gonna explode. He probably would have exploded because he was filled with compassion for these people. Now, statistics would say that the church is apathetic. Statistics would say that the church, well, Pastor Dennis said it in the, in the meeting, that we're a post-Christian church. 
or country, whatever. I do believe that that's because of our lack of desire and all that stuff, but I really believe it comes down to a lack of compassion. My prayer coming into this morning is that the Lord would ignite a compassion in you for someone. I don't care if it's your spouse, your kids, your neighborhood, your workplace. Not that you would go instigate change. See, Nehemiah had compassion that compelled him to change. I think that I love the freedoms of America. As long as we have them, I I will utilize them and, and love them. But I think sometimes they cloud the fact that we can actually do anything we want. Do you realize that not many places on the planet you could walk out of and go do whatever you want to do and be successful at it and feed your family at it and totally thrive? Now walk with me. If that's the case, then anything can be accomplished. And I'm not talking about the scripture, you can do anything with God. I get it, I get it, I get it. I'm talking about a mindset, so go with me. That you can go out and accomplish anything. Pastor Lisa, if you wanted to go start something new, you could be successful in 30 days. We live in America. You can find funding, you can get do whatever you want. You go start a church somewhere, you could thrive. But when we are presented with a problem, is our first instinct of the problem to have compassion for that problem or to just have a plan to go fix it? I don't know. When your spouse comes to you with a problem, is your first thing to have compassion about the problem or is it I'm just going to fix it? I saw some elbows. Just for those of you who couldn't see the perspective. It is how we're wired in this country. And what I'm saying is maybe our wiring's a little askew. So Nehemiah, filled with compassion, gets seen by the king. And the king says, what can I do for you? The king says this in verse four. Then the king said to me, what do you request? Do you realize that when you're filled with compassion, the Lord will give you requests on behalf of the people that you're compassionate about? I saw, I saw some statistics about how the church is unconnected and unaffected in the world. Like, we don't have a voice in the world anymore. Now, I'm just saying statistic. I'm not saying that's true. Sort of believe it's true but that we don't have a command of the culture. We don't have dominion in our culture. And I have seen, and you've probably seen, those that are filled with compassion have influence. So he has compassion. The king says, so what can I do for you? The king said to me, what do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. Not your own idea. Not your own plan. 
I'm compassionate for a people. Someone with authority sees that compassion and says, what can I do for you? The instinct isn't, I know what the right answer is. It's, I'm going to go to the Lord and get the answer. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Then the king said to me, the queen also sitting beside him, interesting picture that that was added in there. How long will your journey be, and when will you return? So it pleased him, pleased the king, to send me, and I sent him a time. Furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me from the governors of the region beyond the river that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel which pertains to the temple for the city wall for the house that I will occupy. And the king granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. When you get infused with a calling of the Lord and a passion for people and you stand before influencers, their hand will be open so that you can accomplish what he's told you to accomplish. Sometimes I think we skip right around that part. And then a bunch of Ishmaels come out. Then I went to the governors in the region beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Isn't it interesting that the king's authority, the king didn't even have to be there. The king's authority, his letter opened up places. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. You're never alone. Then what happens? Oh, good old Sam Ballot and Tobiah were upset that good things were going to happen to the people. We get into the middle of chapter 2, and there's already war. There's already people saying, you're doing something that's going to mess up my game, and I'm going to stop you. So why in the world do we stop when those things come against us? When the war begins to rage, why do we stop? There's many more chapters. I'm glad he didn't stop, but there's many more chapters that explain why. So in Nehemiah 1, we see his burden for souls, his burden for people. What does he do? He doesn't run out and go try to save him. Get on his horse and go and leave his post. No, there's a, there's a law, there's a kingdom strategy that has to come out. And so he began to intercede to build the calling, to build the desire, to build the thing that God was showing him in his own life so that when it was in him, it could come out of him. And then what did he do? He said, I'm standing in place of the Jews and I'm repenting for them. So if the statistics are correct that we don't have as great of influence in our community as we should have, 
My question is this. Do we have compassion for them? Are we interceding for them? And do we have a repentant heart for them? But I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Why would I repent for that? I didn't do that. Well, in the flesh, of course not. But when you're empowered by this holy compassion, you have authority in a kingdom that you don't even understand. So you say, why are you talking about a king? Why are you talking about all this? In chapter two, he petitioned the king. Well, actually, he went before him and his face showed his compassion. Does your face show the compassion of the people in which you serve? The king knew. The king knew his frame. The king knew where he was. The king knew about what was on him and that it was different. Romans says that all of creation is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. What does that mean? It means all of creation is awaiting a compassionate people who say, I'm going after you. I'm not stopping until I get you to freedom. But it's okay, Pastor Rob. We did that in the 60s. We did that in the 70s. The people don't listen to us now. We don't have as much of an influence. So what does the king give him? The king gives him authority in letters. And I don't, I'm, I'm just giving you my own perspective here. I'm not rewriting scripture. I'm just giving you my own perspective. I think that Nehemiah could have taken those letters anywhere in the kingdom. I mean, he knew what he needed. He needed wood. He needed that stuff. But I think he could have went somewhere else and been like, here. Because the king did not restrict authority in those letters. He gave all of his authority in the letters. And all he had to do was to yield them to the right place at the right time. And it opened something that he could not open. But this is what we do. Maybe you've been in this place before in your job where you've been given all the responsibility but not one lick of authority to do anything about it. Maybe you've been given that in the church. <laughs> we're gonna hand you something and we're gonna give you all the responsibility but you can't make any decisions there's someone else that has to make those decisions. And what does that make you feel like? Well, I'll tell you. I've been down that road some. Maybe you have too. You feel unworthy. You feel like you have to perform, but you have no passion to perform because you have no authority to back it up. You get frustrated easily, and then ultimately, 
You become apathetic at what you're doing because you really can't make a change anyway. You just have all the responsibility. It's wearing you out and you can't accomplish anything. I think I just described the church. But not the real church. Not the one that Jesus is building, as Pastor Dennis said. Because the one that Jesus is building, one of the first things was all authority. So why would we function thinking that we just have the responsibility to win a community to Christ without authority? Why would we function that way? Because the culture wants you to fail. And so you do your life, you feel the weight. Does anybody feel the weight of our current status in our country and in our city? And does everybody feel the weight of it, the responsibility that we are here and we have some truth and the world needs the truth, but we don't go do anything about it because we're not sure? That's a lie. Because all authority has been given to you to do what he's called you to do and to not apologize for it. You've got the letter. He's given you the book that opens it all to you. He's given you everything that pertains to life. He's given you it all. It's all written here. And anywhere you go and deliver this, the real deal, doors will open. So what does it take? The walls were falling down. The walls were broken. Society was running crazy. It was just a free-for-all. I don't know, sort of sounds like today. You can be anything you want to be. And we have to acknowledge it and call you by that and do all that. Sounds like the walls of something have fallen down. And the Lord, I believe with everything in me. I, I hope you hear me this morning. I've got like 26 more pages. We're on page two. But I know we can't go any further. But I want you to hear me that you've been functioning in the church with a wrong perspective. You've been taught that some guy has to stand up here and tell you what to think. That's a lie. He's given you everything. Everything. You've been taught that the world, you have to go win the world. But you probably don't have the power to raise the dead. That's something you haven't seen in your lifetime. You, if you go pray for the sick, the first hundred people you pray for, they're not getting out of the wheelchair. When you go do what you feel called to do and the first person steps up and says that you shouldn't be doing that, you back down. Why? Because we don't know that the king, the one who has all authority, the one who was before the beginning, has said, this is it. This is my story of what I see in my kingdom and this is the authority I have now given to you. 
I know this is gonna sound insulting and it's not because I'm saying it to myself, but do we really believe it? Do we really believe what it says? Do we really believe that that law that you find in here that he highlights to you and it's like, oh my word, I've read that scripture 400 times and this morning at 3.30, it came alive. Do you really believe it though? That's my question. Because if you believe it with everything you have in you, there will come upon you a compassion that you can't contain. And when you take that compassion and you begin to intercede on that person, how many of you know that if the, if the Lord would call you, I'm not saying he's calling anybody, so just hear me. If the Lord would call you to the homeless people of Tuscarawas County, I believe that he would give you, and he has given you, but I believe that you would start to understand the authority in which you walk in to actually minister to the people that he's called you to. And the only way that that compassion and unction to do it will come upon you is when you actually sit in their stead, which is what intercession is. When you actually sit in their place and you start to feel what they're feeling and you start to understand how much the Lord loves them in their brokenness and in their hurting, then when you come out of that prayer closet and you understand that there's some authority on your side, because he's going to teach you that in the prayer closet. And then you go walking into the county commissioner's office and say, listen, I cannot stand this anymore. Something has to change. I guarantee this, that the kings of those positions will pay attention to you. Because you're not the guy that just flew in here from Chicago who has a crazy cool plan about building a building for homeless people. That's not who you are. They hear that all the time. But when you walk into that office, the county commissioner's office, and you have tears running down your face and you say, no longer can I stand and watch this happen in my city, things will change. And I believe in this hour, the Lord is calling every single one of us, every single one of us to a people. He's calling us to a people. I don't know who your people are, but my people will call your people. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know who your people are, but I know he's calling you to a people. And maybe the only way that you can get to those people is that you go find a, something alongside the road and you sell it on eBay and you go drive over to their house and you meet that person. You're like, yeah, that was $20, but you know what? I really don't need any money today. Do you know who Jesus is? Maybe that's how you meet him. Or maybe you go to Walmart and, and you do the work of Walmart and every single person that walks by you catches some kingdom stuff from you. I don't know. Whatever it is, it is the compassion for people that will change the world. So an apathetic church, let's just go back there because I think that we need to recap. An apathetic church is a church that feels responsibility but feels like they have no authority. An apathetic church is a church that feels not only the responsibility with no authority, but they don't feel any compassion for those around them because that compassion has been a long time wiped away. Because one time they had compassion to go to that county commissioner's office for the homeless people and the pastor said, we're not doing that ministry in our church. And so you just don't do it anymore. An apathetic church is a church that forgets that the king has our best interest at mind all the time. 
and he's given us letters of authority for us to execute his plan in every situation. And in every situation, whether it looks like it or not, you'll be successful. Some of you have to go through a wilderness. Some of you are entering one. As Pastor Penn said, I went to New York, and he goes, so where are you? (laughs) I'm in New York. And he's like, no, are you going into a wilderness? Are you in a wilderness? Are you coming out of a wilderness? Tell me. I was like, I got to think about that one. Some of you are in it right now. That's okay. It's okay. Don't get distracted by the sounds of lions. It says he is as a roaring lion, not that he is one. He just sounds like one. He makes a lot of noise, but he's defeated. He's a dethroned cherub. He has no power. He can't stop you from what you're called to do. Whether you think he has the power to or not, he can't. So the only power that he has is what you've given him. So how about we just get about doing his business? Can we just get about doing kingdom business? Stop worrying about how many people show up on Sunday. Stop worrying about who shows up on Wednesday night. Let's, let's stop worrying about what people think of us. Nehemiah stood before the king and said, my people are hurting He probably could have been killed. Are you willing to stand in a place to lose everything for someone? Because here's what I know. One day, before the foundation of the world, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were together and they spoke something into existence. And my belief is from the moment that all that happened, I don't know how eternity works, I don't get it, that's okay, I have a simple faith in all that, it's gonna work out, that's all I know. But somewhere in that moment, the compassion came into the sun. And that compassion was for a people And he stood before the Father and said, send me now, send me now, send me now. I have the answer and I have your authority. I will go to the earth and I will change everything for these people. I'll do it, I'll do it now. And a long time passed, I think, that he was up there contending for us. And then there was a moment where he started to build something. My concern is, is that the walls will not be finished if we don't build something. What are you building? Who are you compassionate for? Who's God calling you to change the world with? We're ambassadors of a kingdom. Do the people that you're called to know that you're even a kingdom citizen? Are you just that nice guy from church? What are you building? Who are you compassionate for? And when the first battle comes, are you going to quit? 
Your answer to those questions will determine whether the future of this church and any church will be an apathetic church. Would you stand? Father, I pray on behalf of these people where we've missed you, we repent. We don't want to miss you anymore. Lord, would you birth in our hearts a compassion for people? Would you Teach us our authority and how to yield it with precision. Would you remind us that you're with us when all things seem loud and noisy and scary? Would you equip us to learn new skills to be able to execute what you've called us to do? And Lord, would you birth in this house a house of intercession and travail for a people that without the love of a king will spend forever in hell. The disciples asked you, to teach them how to pray. Would you teach us how to intercede? Would you teach us how to hold compassion? Would you teach us how to see the unseen? Would you teach us how to love the unlovely? Would you teach us how to hurt with those who are hurting? Would you teach us how to celebrate when others win? But above all else, would you teach us how to love each other and to love you? Lord, would you move on this house? Would you move on this people? Father, I'm asking boldly would you wake people up in the middle of the night? Would you insert compassion into their hearts for something and someone that would drive them to their knees that the world would be changed through that compassion? Lord, teach us, lead us, help us. In Jesus' name. Amen. If this meant something to you, if you, if you feel, Kyle, would you come? If you feel like something has to shift in you, we're not going to drag this out, but are you willing to move? Are you willing to do what he's called you to do even though it looks completely 
impossible. Joe, you, you have this unique quality about you, and I just feel like I have to acknowledge you. The Lord's put a highlight on you. You are faithful to no end. And you may never have a voice that teaches or, or leads or whatever. I know that's not what you want anyway. You're smiling at me. Um, I know that's not what you want, but that your faithfulness speaks louder than that in which you've looked at. I know you've looked at it, but your, your faithfulness actually shifts atmospheres that couldn't be shifted by words. And I just want to say thank you. The Lord sees you. He knows you. Mm, he's happy. If you are here this morning and maybe you feel unseen, maybe you feel apathetic, maybe you feel like you don't have any authority, but you've given all the responsibility, would you just make an altar where you are or come forward, whatever you feel comfortable with. But the Lord is here. He wants to minister to you. He wants to touch you. He wants to transform you. But most of all, I believe, before he can push you into your authority, he wants to give you compassion. So if that's you this morning while Kyle plays, we're just gonna wait a minute. If you want prayer, come down. Lay before the Lord. He wants repentant people who are willing to empty themselves and receive his compassion. That's what he wants. Is that you this morning? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. Come have your way in this place. Minister to your people. somebody in this room or watching online you are gonna you are going to be you feel like you have nothing but you're gonna be an amazing gospel speaker you're gonna share the gospel you're, you don't have any training you don't have anything like that you're gonna share the gospel with power and with might and people are just gonna come because they hear you if that's you just receive it Father, we just give you this day. Would you have your will in our lives? Would you just, Lord, we thank you for your hand upon this place and upon these people. Lord, would you just be faithful in the future as we're trying to be faithful to what you've called us to do. We give it all to you in Jesus' name, amen. as Pastor Rob said at the beginning, tomorrow is family, tomorrow, nope, Wednesday is Family Connect at 6.30. Make sure you come and bring a friend. It's going to be a lot of fun and the offering buckets are in the back. Have an awesome week. If you enjoyed today's message, I would like to encourage you to like it and share it on all social media platforms or jump on the website, thesummitdover.com or the app and click the giving link and help us continue to share the message of the kingdom across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.